ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the geeky, geeky, geeky MKG show. I am your host, Michael Kennedy Gautier, aka Geeky MKG, and you probably, you probably got that by now. This is my show. This is all about, I guess, my opinions about video games, a uh, subject I like, you know, this podcast is all going to be about video games um it's been my passions my passions my passion since forever it's since i can remember honestly i've played video games i've watched video games i've just it's been a important part of my life really important part of my life and it actually helped me through a lot of rough spot in life too so this is what this show will be about. This will be about me sharing with you guys my passion. Sharing how passionate I am about video games. So that's really what this show here is going to be about. But before we get into that, let me tell you. what What's the show? What's the segment in the show? What, what are we doing here? The first thing each week is going to be a weekly subject that I'll enjoy. Uh, for example, today is the five games that are giving that gave me an orgasm. Next week is going to be something else, and the week after is going to be something else. So that's always going to be the first thing in the show. It might change over time, but for now, that's the plan. Then I'm going to talk about the games I've been playing um, in the last week, since the last show. Obviously, today it's the first one, so it's going to be games I've played in the last week. Then, to finish out the show, there's going to be a little segment called Let's Talk About It, where I'm just going to tackle news, interesting things that happen in the video game business. So that's really, that's what the show's going to be about. I hope you'll enjoy that. Then, before we get into the weekly subject for this week, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I am at geeky mkg quite simple name of the show my nickname everywhere it's gonna work quite nicely the team song is by neon rise go check them out sometimes they'll do a virtual concert and stuff like that and they're gonna be this is the team song and they're also gonna be i guess partner of the show for a while we'll see we'll see how it goes we'll see if i I'll plug the music elsewhere but for now team song by neon rise Next up, let's get into it. The weekly subject of the week of the first show will be five games that gave me a nerdgasm, aka five of my favorite games. These will be in no particular order. This is not a top list. This is really just me talking about five games that I really enjoy. That really... That confirmed to me that this is a passion this is something i really enjoy and is something i want to continue doing till i die um these five games i could play again and again and again and i would be okay with it so yeah that's gonna be that for the first one the first game i really want to talk about is a, a little a little game called marvel's spider-man now, uh, Spider-Man is in my top three superheroes ever. So th this game was made for me. It's just, and when I saw it was made by Insomniac Games, which made Spyro, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Sunset Overdrive, 
all those amazing, amazing game and franchise, I knew this this one was going to be fucking amazing. And really, this is what I got. I've I played this game a bit later than like I didn't play at release. I think I played a year later. Uh, unfortunately, at the time, I was concussed out of my fucking mind, <laughs> so it was quite impossible for me to play the game. So. Hey, happens. Um, but when I finally got to it a year after, when I finally started, I just fell in love right away. It took, I think it took the intro for me to be like, this is going to be my type of game. This is going to be my stuff. You got Spider-Man, an iconic hero. Like I said, one of my favorite and probably the best traveling system in the history of video game. The way you move a Spider-Man in New York City is fucking amazing. What a great game. Like, I, I still have trouble understanding how well they've captured the swinging around the city, crawling on the wall, getting momentum off buildings to go further, to really like you really feel like you are Spider-Man and like a lot of other games before I've tried, but this is the best it ever felt. And that's really something that caught, caught me first, especially after the intro, you only had really had combat and just chilling around and everything. But when you get down, you get off the intro, when you get into the actual game, you get to that point where, you are finally free to go and to swing around and it was just simple fun. Usually in video games, you just, it gets boring or you're, you're riding a horse and you just fucking go. But usually you, f you know, you fast travel somewhere and you're like, ah, oh, why would I walk? Why would I do anything else? But in this game, I found myself a couple of times just wanting to go around, just wanting to hang around, see if there's going to be crimes around or just swing and just have fun. And then you get into the combat. The combat system is such an amazing adaptation of what they did in Batman Arkham series. It's obviously taking its cue from it, but it makes it Spider-Man, not Batman. They don't have the same training. They don't have the same stuff. And it's not made with the same company, obviously. But you in the combat, you just feel like you're Spider-Man. Again, I mentioned that into the in the traveling too, but in the combat, you really feel like you're in the costume. You, the way Spider-Man move is right, the way he fight is right, the way he uses web is right. Like they really, really made this good. Really made this good, and that was amazing, honestly. Now, spoiler alert. The story is fucking amazing. Like, especially the risk they took with it. I was expecting basic stuff. I was expecting, you know, take it easy. Take a chill. They were going to do a classic. You fight, blah, blah, blah. But they took so many risks. There's so many things that they did in that story. Especially, again, spoiler alert, skip ahead. I'll give you a second. When they kill off Aunt May, that was, cr I was not expecting it. I was crying. I'm not going to lie. I'm a cry in video games. Like I cry easily when the story's good. But this got me, man. When they kill Aunt May, that hurt me. 
but it really made the story that much better. It really fit within the story they were telling with Dr. Octopus and all that stuff. So, yeah. So the first game I want to talk about today was Marvel Spider-Man. Uh, last thing on that note, though, is I still haven't played Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. I honestly don't know why. I guess I had maybe a fatigue of open world games by then. Uh, I was playing, I don't know. I didn't want to spend that much money on it. I, I really don't know. Maybe I just want to wait for the to get a PS5 because those are not around. So, but I know that when I play Miles Morales, I'm going to fall in love all over again with this game and the systems in it. Next, the number two, the second game we're going to talk about today is a bit older. It's a bit of an older game, but it's a classic that for me, I can replay and replay and replay and still have the fun of my fucking life. This is the perfect, I, I said it perfect, action horror game. You probably know what, what I'm talking about by now. Resident Evil 4. God. God. When I was young, I fell in love with this game. When I played the game last year, I re-fell in love with this game. Every time I touch this game, I'm in love. What I really enjoy about Resident Evil 4 is how they got away from the tank controls of the older games. Now, don't get me wrong. Tank control had their purpose in the past. But for me, I hated them. I did not dislike them. I hated them. The only game I was really able to play with tank control was Silent Hill, and that's because the atmosphere was so over the top and they didn't want you to like fight dogs that were running at you. But when they changed this to a third person action game, I was all in. I was all in, especially with the story that they told in that game. The thing is, in that game, they told what I think is one of the best sci-fi bullshit Resident Evil game story ever. Resident Evil always have a story that's like out there. It doesn't make much sense, but it kind of does. And I'm all about it. Let's be honest here. I am all about that shit. It's so fucking good. And but then that's not really the thing that made me fall in love with the game. I enjoy the story, but it's, it was the old atmosphere, the monster design. It was all so good. Like, I don't, I don't know any other words for it. It was so good. It really made me fall in love with Resident Evil, the whole series. This game made me fall in love, the monster design. The atmosphere in this game really made me fall in love with Resident Evil 4. Then Resident Evil 5 tested that a bit, but that's for another day. <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, the monster design. One monster I really want to shout out to, I really want to give kind of the spotlight to, was when you get into the castle and then you go into a type of basement, maybe storage area, and you just, you find this monster there in a kind of a Iron Maiden type of torture stuff, and then it just goes out, has two blades on each end, like a fucking evolved Wolverine. But then you notice, it doesn't see. 
So this fucking thing hears you. So if you go any type of fast, it just runs at you with its big fucking blades and try to stab you. At that moment, the game really sunk in. I was like, this is good. I, I'm, I love this. This is going to be one of my favorite ever. And another thing the game did really well was for the first and only time so far, I was okay with an escort mission. I was okay with Ashley being around. I was okay with playing Leon and being like, okay, I gotta save Ashley and she's gonna hang around. I think I was okay with it because everywhere there's usually a place you can just hide her, just tell her to go in there and she'll be okay and you don't have to worry about her and you can just continue doing the action part of the game, which is why we're here. Oh yeah, Resident Evil 4. What an amazing game. Also, shout out to that margin. Hello, stranger. Always get me. It always get me. I was, I'm always happy to see this creep just everywhere for some reason. Next, number tres. Yeah, you didn't know I speak Spanish, but I do, I do. Crash Bandicoot 3. Warped. Now, as some of you might know, Crash 4 just came out at the end of last year. I loved it. It's a better game than Crash 3, but it doesn't have the same place in my heart. And here's why. Here's why Crash Bandicoot 3 is one of my favorite games. First, I think it's the first game I've ever finished in my life. It's definitely the first game I've ever finished. Which is crazy to think about. It's... What a good game to start with. It's, for me, even with the Crash 4, being a better platformer, I really think Crash 3 is the best one. Because they weren't... I think the thing Crash 4 did really badly was all those fucking time trials and hard shit that you had to do. Crash 3 had the right balance for me. You could usually finish the game in 5-6 hours, get everything you needed, give 100%, and you, you're done. The only really bad thing about Crash 3 is the time trials. They introduced that, and I hate them for it. Because I fucking hate, <laughs> I fucking hate it, time trials. But they weren't too hard. They were, like, they were doable in a, in a reasonable amount of time. But this game is the reason I love platformers so much. Like I've talked at the beginning of the show, I'm a huge fan of 3D platformer, and it's all because of Crash Bandicoot 2 and 3, which 3 really cemented that in, in my life. I know here, nostalgia plays a huge factor. You know, not a lot of people would say Crash 3 is their favorite game of all time. But me, because of the nostalgia, every time I play this game, I'm excited about it. There's just so much to love for me. The locales, the time travel, all those beautiful things. And especially when they remade the released a remake, uh, I think back in 2016, 15? I'm not sure. Usually quite good with those, but I guess I don't remember. <laughs> I guess I don't remember right now. But the remake was just pure ecstasy, man. It was great. It was amazing. Like, I was so excited when I played it again. So, yeah. Crash Bandicoot 3. 
Warped, one of my favorite game and definitely gave me a huge, my first even, nerdgasm. The fourth game on this beautiful list is one that really, really took me by surprise. I'm a fan of RPGs. I'm a huge fan of RPGs. But it really, I guess, I was not expecting it because I, I didn't play the original game, but I played this one. And the game I'm talking about is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, some of you probably played that game. It's a fantastic game. It's closer to the PS4, by the way, which is really good as a PlayStation fanboy. And this game really took me by surprise because when I actually played the original one, when I played Final Fantasy VII, I didn't play much of it, actually, because I just got bored by it. Uh, before this game released, I prepared myself by playing the Midgard section of the original, which obviously is what this remake takes place in. And I can't believe how much they change and how well they change everything. Especially the best combat system I've ever played in my life. The combat system in Final Fantasy VII is the closest thing to perfect. Like, there's some little things, but it's fun forever. It's always fun. It's so good. There's so many things to keep it's simple, but complicated. Like, there's, there's simple at the base. On the surface, it's simple, but then it gets extremely complicated the more you go. And this remake is what every remake should aim for. Like, how can you do better? How can you do better? It's beautiful, beautiful game. It's the story, the, the, what the change of the story is fucking crazy. Like, the, they keep it, but they don't. And then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, this is not the same game I've played 20 years ago. This is a different kind of a universe. Like, I spent days and days afterwards just reading fan theories and theories about what the story was because it was so interesting and confusing at the same time. The thing I will say, though, is as the owner of a base PS4, um, my PS4 was making the most noise up to that point I've ever heard. That was crazy. It was just going like, like just going for it. Like it was going to take off soon, but it was worth it. It was worth it for this amazing, amazing game. And especially that great story that he told. The other thing before I move on to the next, next part, the thing that really fascinates me about this game particularly is the characters they developed. In the first game, the three guys you see at the beginning, which is Jesse, Wedge, and Briggs, they're just there. They're just there and hanging out. But in this one, when the spoiler, spoiler, when they die, 
you feel it. You really feel it, and it plays a huge part. In the original, when they die, you're like, eh, I'm good. I'm okay. Who cares? So I really enjoy how they developed the character even more, and they really made useless, quote-unquote, useless character into interesting, amazing character. And it even made Jessie the best waifu. She's better than Tifa and Eret. I'm gonna say it. Just send your hate comments. I'm gonna go write it. While you do that, I'm gonna get to my favorite game of all time. Now, I know I said at the beginning. I know I said, you know, I was not gonna rank these ones. But this is by far my favorite game of all time. The game is Last of Us Part 2. I think the best way to describe what The Last of Us Part 2 is, the game is beautifully painful. Here's what I mean by that. The Last of Us 2 is all about the circle of vengeance, the circle of hate, how hate just goes around and goes around and goes around. But it's, it's a story that's told so well and take advantage of everything a video game should be. You feel the story in the gameplay. You feel the story in the cutscenes. You feel the story in the voice acting. You just feel the story. You feel everything from this game. And it really makes it beautifully painful. This is the best storytelling I've seen ever. Nothing comes close. It is the best storytelling. It was controversial when it came out. It was especially controversial when there's the little switch in the middle of the game, which almost made me quit, I might say, but I played an hour and then I was back in and I was ready to go. But when they do that switch in the beginning, like in the middle of the game, I was like, fuck you. You're not going to make me do that. <laughs> and then you continue and continue and you're like, oh, that's why. You kind of get the story once that switch is done. And one thing I really, really enjoyed about this game is how sometimes they forced you to do things you really didn't want to do. Like there was part in the game where I had the control in my hand and I was like, nah, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but I have to if I want to, if I want to have the rest of the story. And I was like, fuck, really? Oh well, it's okay. And then it continued, and then the story continued, and I was like, oh god, this is this is amazing. And that's the thing they do. Like they're not you're not this you're not part of the story, you're just playing the story that's in front of you. They're telling you a story. You don't have a say in what's happening here. And I really enjoy that. And especially with the polished gameplay, the way you kill people, the way people talk, the way the NPCs talk to each other. It again really helps with the overall story of hate and vengeance that's told through this game. And by the way, fuck that ending. I'm gonna, I cried. I'm thinking about it and I wanna cry. <laughs> that's how intense that ending really got me. It's a good ending. Just fuck that ending for hurting my feelings like that. <sighs> anyway, that last thing on The Last of Us Part 2. You said, you know, in Final Fantasy VII Remake, when I was talking about that game, I said, 
um, that my PlayStation 4 almost took off. My base PS4 almost took off. This, The Last of Us Part 2, is when my PlayStation 4 made the most noise I've ever heard in my fucking life. The fans on there were going crazy. Like, for real. I'm sure that I saw my PS4 go in the air. I'm not gonna lie. I ain't a liar. You trust me. We've spent like, I guess, let me check the recording. You know, we spent the last 25 minutes together. You trust me, right? It took off. I was so much noise I had to put headphones on when I was playing the game. That was how bad it was. But I was willing to go through that to play my favorite game of all time. And I can't wait to have a PS5 to be able to actually play it the best I can. So that's it. The five games that gave me a nergasm. Marvel Spider-Man. We got Resident Evil 4. Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped, Final Fantasy VII Remake, The Last of Us Part II. Those are the five games that really gave me a huge orgasm. And also five of my favorite games. Now, we're done with a weekly subject. You've heard all about the games I love. You've heard way too much about orgasm, but we're done with that for now. Right now, what we're going to talk about is what I've been playing in the last week. First, the games I'm really into and really addicted to and make me want to record a podcast because I really want to play a fucking game is Dark Souls Remastered. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I have a series coming up probably next month that's all about Dark Souls games and stuff. We're going to get through that at some point. But I get it now. After starting a game so many times, after playing a lot of Bloodborne, I get why people are in love with Dark Souls. I really do. Even if I'm in Blighttown now, and I fucking hate that place, but I get why the game is so popular and why the game changed the video game industry. It changed a lot of system. Assassin's Creed would not be what it is now if it was not for Dark Souls, I believe. So, that's the main game I've been playing. I've been playing a shit ton of Dark Souls and it's been a lot of fun. I've also been playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Now you might say, Michael, why are you so fucking late to the, sh- to the party? You know, why, what's happening with you? Why are you so late? Well, I didn't have a Switch. Again, concuss out of my mind, like I said earlier. And... I actually bought uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild physical and like a dumbass, I lost it on the bus. I lost all my Switch game on the bus, which included Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So I had to wait to buy a digital and I am buying no physical for that fucking thing again. <laughs> Sorry, uh, a build over angriness. Um, and it just... Now I'm, now I'm on there, and I'm really having fun. I, I get why people are saying this is one of the best game ever. The exploration right now is unrivaled. It's so good. I like that there's no like question mark everywhere on the map. I like that it's just a really good open world exploration, adventure. It's just... Such an amazing game. And I've actually never really played Legend of Zelda that much. 
I don't know why, it's right up my alley, but this is the first one I really am really sinking time into. So I'm having fun with that. I hope uh, I'm going to be playing more and I'm definitely going to update you guys on it. The last game I've been playing in the last week is Jack and Daxter. Dexter? Daxter? The furry, the furry guy. Uh, which was made by Naughty Dog, one of my favorite developer of all time. Um, I am not sure about that, Jack and Dexter, right now. I feel it's good, but it doesn't connect as much as I would like to. Like, I'm, I'm thinking right now if I'm going to continue playing it or not. I don't think so. But hey, it's, it's not the hardest platinum to get, so I might go through that. But I'm not sure. And here's why I'm not sure, because the... Yes, it's a 3D platformer, but it's a... PS2 as fuck 3D platformer. Like, it's... It's clunky. Like, I'm playing on the PS4, and... The PS4. The PS4. And I kind of feel like, oh... This is, uh... This is old, eh? <laughs> because it's weird. I guess I would probably be more in love with the game if I played it in time. But obviously I didn't. So, no, I'm... I'm not sure about Jack and Dexter. I'm gonna have to come back with, to you guys about that. I don't think I'm gonna be continuing it right now. So those uh, were the game I've been playing. Now... Time for the last segment of the show. Time to the last part of the show. And it's the let's talk about it segment. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm just going to spitball about whatever's happening um, in the video game business. Whatever's happening. Do we have, is there a new game coming out? Is there this? What's happening? There's stuff I want to talk about and I want to share. The first thing I really want to go through is uh, this morning, as of this recording on Tuesday, they announced the next-gen version and the DLC release date for Marvel's Avengers. I was in love with Marvel's Avengers when it came out, especially the campaign, even though it doesn't hand that well. But I kind of got out of it. Um, so, so before I get into <laughs> opinions, I should probably tell you what the fuck's happening. So Marvel next-gen version will be released on March 80th. Um, this is on PS5 and Xbox Series X. Obviously, I don't have a PS5, so fuck me, I guess. But also coming up at the same day on March 80th. Is that how you say it? I'm French Canadian, guys. Give me, give me a second with numbers. <laughs> There's a new character, Arkai. Uh, with his story, Future Imperfect. It comes out at the same time as the next-gen version. Now, like I said, I love Marvel Avengers. I've been quite on the fence to get back into the game since, like I said, I really love the single player, but the multiplayer didn't grab me that much. The end game was mediocre at best. Like, it was not good. The gameplay was good, but what you had to do with the gameplay was... Ugh. It felt like a chore at some point. And like, I'm on the edge. I'm always on the edge to get back in it. And when Kate Bishop came out, I was like, oh, I'm, I might give it a try. And then I did one mission in the Kate Bishop uh, campaign. And I was like, oh, maybe not. 
<laughs> Maybe not. But I am excited for this one. I'm really excited for this new DLC. It brings Akai. It brings a new fun story. Which is the best part of this game. And I'm hoping this will be a good step toward the redemption of the game. I really hope it's going to be a good one. Because this game deserves it. It's a Marvel Avengers game as a service. Should be better than this. Come on. Come on, Crystal Dynamics. Get it going. Hopefully, my hope for the future of Marvel Avengers after this is to get the heavily rumored Wakanda and Black Panther DLC. That's really what I want to see next, and I'm really hoping for it. Second news I want to talk about is The Last of Us casting for the new HBO show. As you heard in the weekly subject part of this show, I'm a huge Last of Us fan. God, do I love Last of Us. And the fact that they're going to have a show, I am excited and scared because video games adaptation are not always the best. <laughs> but when they cast Pedro Pascal, a.k.a. the Mandalorian, as Joel, I was all in. I'm like, you know what? They know what they're doing. They clearly know what they're doing. Then they, they casted Bella Ramsey, which is supposedly in Game of Thrones, but I don't really remember her character, will be cast as Ellie. I'm unsure about her. I love Pedro, so that's going to be good. I'm unsure about Bella Ramsey. I don't know why, but I'm unsure. But hey, people seem to think this is going to be good. So why not? I'm sure she's going to do a great job. HBO is really good with their shows. So I'm hoping they're going to do something good. And you know, Last of Us is my favorite series. And especially Last of Us Part 2, which is my favorite fucking game, like I've said before. So I'm extremely excited. I can't wait to see. I might actually, because I'm in Canada, I can't get an HBO Max, but I'll get something called Crave. It's might be, it might be what I'll go for now. Finally... The last thing I want to talk about today um, is a bit controversial. It's about the game Six Days in Fallujah, Fallujah situation. The game Six Days in Fallujah is a whole thing. It was it started, I think it started, the development started in 2009 or something like that and was dropped after a while because it was too controversial. The Six Days in Fallujah, Fallujah, I'm sorry if I can do it. French-Canadian again. It's a game about the Iraqi war that happened. And Fallujah is the city in which we'll be. This is extremely recent. And this is what... This is causing the controversy. It, I guess it's so close. Like, it, it's been, what, 15 years? Not even? That people are like, oh... Like, I understand why. Like, I understand why people feel maybe offended by that one. Maybe, like, oh, that's poor taste to do a game about the Iraqi war that just happened. And I was reading a, a di not a diary, an interview with a developer uh, earlier, with the developer of the game. And they were saying, like, we don't, want to, we don't want to represent the good or the bad of the war. We just want to represent the war, what it is both sides the iraqi civilians the american soldiers 
everybody in between. That's really what they want to represent in the game. But people have been up in arms about, that's it, it's so recent. They're promoting war. They're promoting a recent war that happened. A war that, by a lot of people, was a bad war. That was a fake fucking thing, just for oil. Personally, I believe in almost complete freedom in any type of art, including video games. Obviously, if it's racist, sexist, or stuff like that, I'm not about it. Like, this, no art should have a fucking Nazi logo or it or something. But... I truly believe this is more of a representation of what war is. It's not an encouragement. It's not a support of war. It just is war. The good, the bad, everything in between. So for me, the supposed controversy of Sixteen Falhua is not really something I'm, I guess, on the side about. Like, I'm, I don't really care. Like, I'm... This ain't really my type of game, but now, because of that, I'm probably going to check it out and see how they execute that. How they, they're able to represent war without supporting war, if you know what I mean. Anyway, that's done. This is the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you, you'll stick with me. This is my first time talking by myself for a long time <laughs> in my room. So, I hope you'll enjoy. I hope you enjoyed this. Next week's show... It's called Xbox Game Xbox Game Pass Review by a PlayStation fanboy. PlayStation fanboy, that's me. Before we before I leave, Twitter, Instagram, geekymkg. Give me a follow. Talk to me. I'll answer to you as fast as I can. Again, theme song by Neon Rise. Go check them out. They are a great funk like band. Now. I'm Michael Kennedy Gautier, a.k.a. Geeky, Geeky, Geeky MKG, and this was the Geeky MKG Show. Until next time, stay awesome, people.